VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hi, good evening. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is the show for entrepreneurs the people that really have the ability to change the economic fortunes, the people who are going to kick-start the economic recovery and the people who are going to build high-paying, high-skilled jobs that are suitable for the 21st century. You know, I'm really proud to host a program that informs and educates small business owners and entrepreneurs and startups like yourselves to show you how that you can avoid making some of the mistakes that people like me that went before you have made. And I've made some classics over the, over the period, but um, the key is to learn by them. Now, with the economy the way it is and people being laid off, you know, often with a good severance package, and then there are others who are unable to find work, more people than ever before are looking at going into business for themselves. So today I'm going to discuss the pros and cons of setting up your own business or perhaps buying a franchise. You know, there are literally thousands of franchises available from lawn mowing to really unusual things like hauling trash and Christmas lighting for homes. I even found um, one that was um, a breakfast. All they do is serve cereals and, and breakfast. So even championship arm wrestling is now a franchise. So there are heaps of opportunities available. Now, going into business for yourself is a really major decision. Your choices are start your own business, buy an existing one, or buy into a proven franchise. Each of these options has its advantages and its disadvantages. Firstly, you need to decide what sort of business you want to do. And being passionate, enthusiastic, and in and totally committed are the key success to any business. So you've got to choose wisely. You know, a lot of people think, you know, I'd love to own my own business and have the flexibility and all of that, um, until they realise that, you know, maybe they hate retail, they hate talking to people all day, or they can't manage staff, or they don't like working 100 hours a week for years and years and years to try and get the business up and running. So firstly, you need to decide whether you're able to follow a prescribed system 100% as in a franchise, or do you need the freedom to innovate and experiment in your own business? You know, there's a compromise when you buy into a franchise, but there's also a significant price to pay when you start your own business. The pros and cons must be weighed against the benefits, both in terms of the investment and your personal values and goals. So I've jotted down some of the points that um, I think you need to consider. Firstly, 
if you start a new business, you need to build your own brand. Now, this can take you a year or two, and it can be expensive. There's a lot of clutter out there. So if you buy an existing business, it will have some level of brand awareness, hopefully. If you buy a franchise, then you're guaranteed of brand awareness, product, service quality, all of those things come with the franchise. So that's the franchise proposition. The second point that you need to consider is the balance of being under somebody's total control versus autonomy of being your own boss. So when you start your own business or buy an existing business, you're in control of everything, big and small. With a franchise business, you've got to follow the rules. You control the culture and the values you set in your franchise, and you can hire and fire who you want, but that is where it ends. The third point to consider is whether you create your own operating system for your business or buy one that's already in place. So if you're the creative, innovative type that, you know, always coming up with new ideas and believe that you can do things bigger and better than everyone else, and you've got business and management skills, starting your own business is absolutely the way to go. But remember, 97% of all businesses fail. So unless you have both training and intuitive business skills and select a business where there's really a demand, then the odds are stacked up against you. A franchise business, on the other hand, provides a complete turnkey business, ready to plug and play, and they've got an 80% success rate. But if you can't religiously follow the operating manual without frustration, you should set up your own business or buy an existing one. The fourth point, I think, when you're setting up a new business is identifying the right equipment, finding suppliers and negotiating deals. You know, there may be some experimentation initially to get the right things. Now, that's time consuming and it eats away at precious capital. Now, you overcome that if you buy a franchise because everything's provided to you. There's no guessing, no wastage and no cost overruns. Now, the fifth thing you need to remember is if you're buying a standalone business and it's reasonably small, you have no buying power. But if you're in a franchise, your franchise has already got the best rates and they pass that along to you. If you're a small businessman, it's also very difficult often to get credit, you know, particularly at the moment. And that's a quick way to kill any business. However, you know, if you've got a franchise with a powerful brand behind you, it's seldom a problem. The seventh point I think you've got to keep in mind is that starting your own business can cost less than buying a franchise. And many entrepreneurs have started on a shoestring budget and and succeeded. I think I read somewhere the other day that something like 310 of the Fortune 500 companies all began with less than 10,000 bucks. But that's an exception rather than the rule. Most new businesses require startup capital, especially for retail space and equipment. And many lenders view franchise with a, you know, that have got a strong track record much more favorably than an independent business owner just starting out. The eighth point is that the reason most businesses fail is not enough money coming through the till. In today's environment, 
with traditional marketing being so expensive and new media marketing requiring such high levels of expertise. It's the failure of marketing that kills most businesses. You know, marketing's a really specialised business requiring a high level of expertise that 99% of people simply don't have. It's not about drawing up an ad, sticking it in the paper or sticking it in the radio. It is much more complicated than that. So if you have a business, then the responsibility for the marketing expertise is yours. You either hire someone or learn about it yourself because that alone can kill a business. Now, if you're a franchisee, you've got the power of the brand marketing, you've got the power of their advertising specialists all behind you. The price you pay, which is usually just a, a monthly contribution to national advertising, is cheap compared with the potential disaster of doing your own marketing if you don't do it right. Don't forget that every penny you spend on marketing comes straight out of your bottom line. Another thing to take into account that it takes time and money to build a retail store or get sign writing done or set up the equipment or set up a factory or set up a truck. You know, all of those things take time. Now, if you if you become a franchisee, you're told precisely what to do and when and how. Most of it's provided. So you can usually get your business up and running much quicker. And when you start your own business, it takes a while to build a client base, get a, get a reputation and get regular customers coming through the door. But with a known franchise, customers are already committed to you and you generate returns much faster. Now, probably the most critical part of being successful, apart from having strong marketing skills, is giving tremendous customer service. That means having employees that live and breathe the business as you do. You need to be able to manage a business, hire and train employees, market your product or service, keep the books, prepare tax returns and all the other regulatory information that drives you bonkers and takes up a hell of a lot of time. So when you start up your own business, you have to be very proficient at all of those things on your own. Now, so these mistakes can be extremely expensive. In fact, they can cost you your business before you even begin. But if you're in a franchise, then you receive extensive training in every aspect of your business. Most entrepreneurs absolutely love what they do. And many of them love what they do so much, they forget to manage their business. They focus on what they do. And unfortunately, experts say that what you do is only about 10% of being successful. The other 90% of being successful is all the boring crap that most entrepreneurs don't want to do. You know, either that or you get so caught up in the day-to-day mundane details of running the business, you fail to innovate and to develop as leaders and executives and come up with new products and new concepts. If you're in a franchise, then they have field support people to help you and you you work in the business because they're working on the business for you. So 
if you have a business, any sort of business, doesn't matter what it is, you should join every organisation that you can around the area. Chamber of Commerce, Rotary and all other business organisations, you should make sure that you belong to those. They're invaluable. You should also get mentors. Mentors are fantastic. I've had mentors all my life, as we've discussed before, and they will show you how to not make the mistakes that um, most of us have made at some point. So if, if you franchise, you get ongoing support not only from your franchisor but from the other franchisees. And uh, so whether you're a McDonald's, a retailer or a plumber, to constantly update your offer, add new products and services, keep up with community changes and demands takes an awful lot of work. And if that initiative fails, if you're in your own business, it's expensive in terms of both time and money. If you're part of a franchise, all those new ideas and campaigns and things are all tested well before they get to you. So at some point in the future, you're likely to want to retire or maybe just move on. Selling an independent business can be lucrative, but the pool of potential buyers is much smaller than with a known brand. So keep that in mind. I would always start my own business rather than buying a franchise. I'm not good at following the rules, but it depends on how independent, creative and prepared you are to put in the hard yards. So I hope you went onto my website, bobpritchard.com, and enrolled for my June newsletter. It's out in about a week. Don't forget to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. Tweet me at thebobpritchard.com. Join me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Google+. Contact me any way that takes your fancy. Send me a bloody carrier pigeon. I don't care. Just contact me. I'm Bob Pritchard, and I'll be back in just a moment. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. 
That's Bob at BobPritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is a segment where we speak to the business movers and shakers, those people who've stamped their imprint on how we do business, those who have had an effect on how many of us operate, how many of us operate and how we do our business and how we contribute to the success of business people around the world. My first guest today has had nine number one bestsellers books, 15 top 10 best-selling books. His works have been translated into 51 languages. They're sold in 100 countries, TV series with 100 million viewers and a number one box office movie. Alan Peace is a friend of mine. He gave me a big leg up in Europe a few years ago, which I've always greatly appreciated. But he's been the king of body language for almost four decades. His advice on body language and personal image, sought after by business executives of major corporations, prime ministers, TV presenters, royalty, and even rock stars. Alan, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Well, I can't wait to hear what I've got to say after that introduction. Mate, <laughs> that's what you sent me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think you're more than that. You've cut it down, you rat. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Now, we have a business audience who are presenting themselves for jobs, they're making sales presentations, negotiating uh, business mergers. How important is it, is body language, in your business armoury today? Well, the first thing we know about it, Bob, is that it makes up 60 to 80% of the impact of the message you're making face-to-face when you're trying to present and sell your story. So two-thirds to three-quarters of how you come across is before you've even opened your mouth. And, and the dangerous part of all this is that people you meet for the first time form up to 90% of their impression about you in under four minutes. So if you make it the first four minutes right, you're going to find it really difficult. You're going to find it a struggle to get to the point of acceptance because it's only when people accept you and feel that they could trust you that they're going to give you a fair hearing. Yeah. So can you consciously modify your body language, though, or, or is it something that you do, you, your reflexes and your reactions just happen naturally, or is it something you can control? Well, well it's both. There, there are quite a few gestures that are hardwired into our ancient brain, which are there mainly for survival, just to protect us, things that we can recognise without having to learn them. Now, these things are important to learn as well because they, they affect how a person perceives you, but especially that first impact, that first impressions in the first four minutes. Uh, you can definitely control things such as your clothing and your appearance. They're 100% controllable. Uh, what we do when we're training somebody to make a good impression and to present themselves, whether it's on TV or in front of the public, you know, where they're saying, you know, buy this is what they're saying, that's the bottom line, yep. and they want to look convincing and look like they know what they're talking about. One of the first things that we teach them to do is make sure that you, you look like you match the message because how often have you seen Bob, somebody who's standing in front of a crowd or on television saying, I want you to follow me or to buy this story. And when you look at them, they don't match the story. Sure, sure. Um, well, it's actually interesting because, um, you know, I'm, I've been around a long time and uh, uh, my experience in business and marketing is, is, I think, up there with the best of them. And I was told today that I need to throw, when I'm presenting, I need to throw away my black suits and and grey ties and white shirts and I need to go out there looking hip slick and cool and as a as an authority rather than another presenter. 
does that yeah, make that much? Well, well, yeah, the difficulty you've got, and, and this is one of the difficulties that happened in America. Remember when the American the Gene Company started Dress Down Day on Fridays? Mm-hmm. And in a lot of the corporations, that caused enormous stress because nobody really knew who the bosses were or who was in charge. Yeah. It's a little bit like, you imagine if they had Dress Down Day on the Army or the police force. I mean, it would be complete <laughs> chaos. Nobody would know what they're supposed to do or where they're supposed to be reporting to. Yeah. But if, if you're going to dress casually and, and, and throw away ties and all the, you know, the traditional stuff that we recognize in business presentations, then you've got to come pretty highly recommended with a CV that is so strong that that will give you the credibility and override the fact that in that first four minutes where they see you that they're going to make their impressions based on the way you look. Because if somebody hasn't got a CV and doesn't know who you are, you just front it up cold, they would make most of their impression on the way you looked. And that's yeah. why it's so important that you need, particularly if you're, if you're calling cold on somebody for any reason, is to you need to look like they would expect you to look if clearly you know what you're talking about. Okay, I've got. That's interesting because I had a a guy a few years ago who's unbelievably successful said to me that if you're going in to talk to the suits at IBM and you're fronting up to a boardroom full of grey suits, grey shirts, grey ties, grey minds, then you should wear jeans and a T-shirt. If you're going into an advertising agency where they're all in jeans and T-shirts, you should wear a really sharp suit because they wanted the reason they're talking to you is because they're looking for somebody that's different than they are. How much truth's in that? Well, if you're looking for somebody who's different than they are, that, that certainly carries weight. But if you're going to be that different in your appearance, that is, you, if you're wearing symbols that they don't recognize as, as things that are relative to their personal lives or their business lives. Uh, for example, with accountants, yeah, you can know what a typical accountant would look like. Yeah, they've got, yeah. you know, the, got the, the dark pinstripe suit, the, maybe the white shirt and the red tie with a few polka dots or club on it and a standard haircut parted to the left, clean shaven, which, and also for women it's the same. Uh, lace-up shoes. So that's your typical stereotypical accountant that you, you'd expect to see. So if you're front up to see those guys and you're dressed in jeans and a T-shirt, you must come with a big CV that they know about in advance for you to have the credibility to be able to say to what you're up. saying. Because if you went in cold, they're saying, oh, this guy is supposed to be cleaning out, the, cleaning out the garbage. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Now, I was watching a couple of body experts, body language experts on TV a little while ago talking about what they read into the president's speech. I think it must have been State of the Union or something. And both of them had different interpretations on many of the questions and expressions that the president used. So is body language a science or is it just open to interpretation? Well, it's definitely a science. There are things about people's behaviour and the, the things that they do that show you clearly what's likely to be going on in their mind. Now, what body language is in, in simple terms, it's an outward reflection, it's an outward manifestation of your emotional condition. So whatever emotions you're feeling are likely to be revealed in gestures, movements, postures, expressions and so on. And, and the basic emotions are common in all cultures. That's why the basic expressions of the face are pretty much common in just about all cultures. They're there are a few small exceptions in Asia, but otherwise we all feel happiness, sadness, grief, joy, sorrow, the same way, and we show it the same way. Right. So what the other body language is, is to be able to read a person's emotional state, that is what they're likely to be feeling. You then match it up with what you hear them saying in the context and circumstances under which you see it happening, and that allows you to piece together what could be going through their mind. Now, we know women are far better at doing this than men, and that appears to be linked to the ability to give birth to babies because... Mm. If a mammal can't look at their offspring that doesn't talk and doesn't have language, which humans certainly don't, 
if they couldn't determine very quickly, is the baby hungry, tired, frightened, injured, in pain, then it's detrimental for survival. So right. as a result of that, and we can now see with brain scans where this, this stuff sits in female brains, this is the reason women are so good at spotting lies, you know, around three times better than the average man. And that's why you should not lie to a woman to her face, Bob. You know what you should do? <laughs> what? Ring her up. <laughs> Send an email. Don't front up. <laughs> so, okay, I'm walking into a room and I'm trying yeah. to make an impression. Mm-hmm. Um, now, even before I've sat down, I could have lost the sale, couldn't I? That's true, yeah. And you think yourself about the people that you've met in your past life, and everybody listening to this program has met someone in the past who, for some reason, when they entered the room, he just took a dislike. To, he couldn't probably pinpoint what it was, just something about them he didn't like. And here's the problem, that if, if in that first four minutes, if we feel comfortable with someone, we feel non-intimidated, non-threatened, if we feel like they accept us, and we kind of say that things like, yeah, the vibes are good. When I first met you, Bob, the chemistry was there. We, we kind of hit it off. Well, what we do with our work is we know that there are no real vibes or chemistry. There are things happening in that first impact, frame by frame, that you can go back and isolate. It's similar to what they do with lie to me. Right. And lie to me, the, the facial expression analysis is, is about 80% fairly accurate. The, the guy behind that is, is, is a very good scientist. The uh, rest of it's just Hollywood. You know, I've got a guy doing it. You know, yeah. A guy stepping out saying, he's lying, she's lying, you're not telling the truth. Because if anybody could do that, it wouldn't be a guy, it'd be a woman. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and we'd be very short of politicians. Yeah, so, so what are some of the things you can do in that, that first couple of minutes? Well, the first thing is, if, if you're in a reception area on someone else's territory, don't sit down in the waiting seats. When you sit down, you crumple your clothing up, it collapses your diaphragm. If someone comes out to meet you, you come from a down position to an up one, which is not a good feeling. And when you come up, you look like you've been sitting in a, in a, in a rocket hangar or something. Your clothes are all over the place, and your voice goes squeakier and higher as you're starting to pull yourself out of a chair. So you're better off to stand in a reception area because that way it gives you more confidence, more presence, and you look like you know what you're talking about, and your clothes remain neat. And when you walk into someone else's office, if someone says, okay, the, Mr. Pritchard's in that office over there, well, one of the things we found with hidden cameras showing what people do when they walk into an office for a job interview or to, to sell an idea is people who lack confidence go through a little gear change as they go through the door. So they approach the doorway in third gear, then they slow down to second, they go a little shuffle into first, through the door, then back into second, up to third again, which is what monkeys and chimpanzees do as well when they're on a stranger's territory and they're frightened. So what this means is to create an atmosphere of confidence, even if you're terrified, this, this is the point, if you if you're really nervous, which if it's a big deal, you, you'd like it to be tense in some way. But people won't know it unless you reveal it. So approach the doorway and walk through it at the same speed, or if you're not sure where you're going, stop first and then enter. And they, when, when you do that, people in the office get a feeling, something about you that looks pretty confident. Right. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that, you know, somebody like, you know, I've been in a room with Bill Clinton and... He just acts like he owns the place. You know, he yeah. just stands out in a crowd. There's some sort of magnetism or something about him that just gives you the feeling that this guy's important. Is that is that the aura that you know that he's the ex-president or is that the way he handles himself and he conducts himself? Well, if you look at his history, he's been like that right throughout his history from the time he was in college. So he's always had, uh, this is what we call charisma. Now, the, the, the big question always is, are you born with it or can you learn it? The answer we've found is both, that some people are born with a number of abilities to be able to get people to just make, be magnetically drawn towards them so they can do no wrong, but you can learn to be charismatic. And one of the ways of doing it is to make yourself look significant, that when you talk with people, you make that other person the most important person in the world when you're talking with them, and there's nothing threatening or intimidating about you. In other words, 
when you talk like Clinton, if you talk with your palms in upward position, people find you easy on the eye. Right. You talk with your palms in a downward position, they get a feeling that you're being authoritative and pushing him around a little bit. If you talk with your finger point, they get a feeling that you're threatening and intimidating. So Clinton does all those sort of things, and uh, that, that charismatic stuff, if, if you're good at it, and he is, it means you think about the things that Bill Clinton was accused of doing there, the White Water, the White Water yep. Affair, the Monica yep. Lewinsky, lying to grand jury, yet he still is loved by everybody, and they pay the guy a huge amount of money to talk about what he did. You imagine, Bob, if, if George Bush had have done any one of those things. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So when I walk into an office, I, wa- I walk into somebody's office and I walk in confidently, what mm-hmm. do I do? Do I walk in with, what's the first thing I do? Stick my hand out to shake hands, look them in the eyes? What, what's, that, what's that connection there? Well, when you, when you walk, it's important to understand that when you go to anybody's place of business to try to convince or persuade them or, or get them on side, that you're on, you're on show from the time you're in the car park because often people's offices look out over car parks. Mine does, and, and I watch people getting into their car to see how they behave. Mm. Now, when you get out of your car, walk in a semi-march, and this is uh, something you'll see most prime ministers and presidents are pretty famous for. Ronald Reagan did it all the time. Bill Clinton does it. They walk in a kind of a semi-march because people who walk in a semi-march are perceived by those who see them without awareness as being authoritative and somehow important. So when you walk into the office, walk in in a kind of a semi-march, any information you've brought with you, such as uh, visual presentations or folders, papers, anything, keep them in your left hand because yeah, certainly in most parts of the world, certainly in the United States and Australia, we are right-handed handshakers. Sure. So by carrying things in your left hand, you don't have to make an insignificant change at the wrong time because if you order it in right hand, which is the natural position to hold it in if you're right-handed, yep. In switching to your left, not only do you have to make a, an inconsequential movement, if you drop something, you look like a complete turkey right at the very start. Yes. You've now got to bend down and pick it up. So keep it in your left hand. Now comes your hand for a handshake. Now, if you're going to shake hands in advance, which certainly in the country, you're in, if that's customary to do that, you do it. But bring the hand up in advance. Don't walk up and just whip it out in front of someone because they mightn't see it. Yes. Start to bring it up a little bit early so there's no doubt when you arrive what you're going to do. Now, to create rapport with a handshake, here's what you do. Keep your palm absolutely straight, keep the vertical, and importantly, give the same pressure you receive. So my intensity of strength out of 10, 10 being strong and one being soft, yep. I'm about a 7 out of 10. Right. Now, for memory, you're about a 9 out of 10, that's your natural position. So yes, for me, right. to make you feel comfortable, I've got to pick up 20%, otherwise you're going to start thinking, this guy's a bit soft. <laughs> now, of course, reverse the situation, if you want to be convincing and persuade me, when you match my hand, you've got to back off 20% so that you don't intimidate me or, or threaten yeah. me. Okay. You give the same pressure you receive, and that's very important, especially if you're female, because uh, historically most males have had some sort of essential basic training, probably from their fathers. Here's how you do it, son, hold your hand out, give a nice firm grip and look them in the eye, which, of course, we never expected that 40% of countries like Australia would have Asian origins. We're looking in the eye as insulting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, but mate, we're running out of time, but... I've heard that you should mirror the attitude and the speech of the person that you're meeting. How, how important is that, and how do you do that? That is a very, very powerful way of creating rapport and getting people inside. And mirroring, which is copying the behaviours and gestures of the other person, is, is a basic mammal behaviour. Most other mammals do it. They mirror the leaders in sequence. But for humans, we're obsessed with it. And what it means is very simply, if you're with all your friends and your, your buddies, your pals, those you're having a good time with, you're all agreeing with people. If you look at the group, people in the group, you'll find that most of them are moving the same way, they're using the same gestures, the same expressions, because what they're showing is that emotionally we're all feeling the same way. Yeah. And women are dynamic at doing this as well. You, you put a new female woman 
uh, into an office with other women that she's never worked with before within 48 hours and found that she's copying and mirroring unconsciously all the gestures of the other women. And within 60 days, she's mirroring their menstrual cycle. They all get PMS the same week, <laughs> which is true in my case. And this, this week for me, I'm having a hell of a week here, Bob. <laughs> so so intentionally mirroring, uh, you create rapports. And this way, you can look at couples that you can see with couples who are getting unwell. You look at... Uh, the new royal couple, you know, William and, he, and his wife. You know, yes. They're a perfect mirror of each other. Right. Uh, Charles and Camilla are perfect mirrors. Now, uh, the, the Clintons in America are also perfect mirrors of each other. They're a perfect pigeon pair, but they're brother and sister. There's no intimacy between those people. Right. Okay. Mate, it was great to speak to you again, great to catch up, and it was good to talk to Barb before. Now, if you'd like to find out more about Alan, or to book him for a conference. He is one hell of a speaker. I've worked with him a couple of times, and he is sensational. You can reach him at peasepeaseinternational.com or just contact me at bob at bobpritchard.com, and I will pass your contact details on. Thanks, Alan, and I'll be back in just a moment after this short break. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Where do you stand with your money? Let me put this question a different way. Where do you think you stand with your money? Managing money effectively can mean wealth, success, and contentment. Not managing the right way can lead to stress, anxiety, and even health problems. To reach your financial goals, tune into The Path to Financial Freedom with host Gordon Bennett. Every day we are faced with choices, and the wrong ones can be hard to correct. Don't make a bad financial choice. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network.
You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is the show for entrepreneurs and SMEs. And this is the segment of the show where we talk to the movers and the shakers who are out there making a difference. Tonight we're discussing Winbox. They're pioneering a world-first sales promotion method called ratio buying. I love this idea. Their patented technology allows retailers to provide a buying incentive without the need to discount, while they add excitement and a perceived value, and more important, I think they add a wow to the shopping experience. Now, this enables margins to be sustained while maintaining a price point and increasing sales. And this is a combination that typically is unavailable with um, most sales promotion options. My guest is Damien Cantello. He's the CEO of Winbox. He's speaking to us from uh, Silicon Valley in California, but let's just tell you a bit about him first. He's been involved with a number of tech startups, including iLaunched, which raised a few million dollars in the dot-com era, and Platinum TV, which has generated a million bucks in revenue. He, um, he's a pretty smart guy. He's up in Silicon Valley. Hi, Damien. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Show. G'day, Bob. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. How does ratio buying work? Well, as you mentioned, we're taking a different spin on sales promotions. So instead of offering a discount to the consumer, we offer the opportunity for them to purchase the things that they love online with the chance to win and pay just a single dollar for their selected items. So it's a lot more exciting than just getting a standard discount and still preserves the brand value for, for the brands being sold online. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't prostitute the price point either, which is That's really important. Exactly. So the way that that actually works for the consumer is um, you'll go online and, and, and find something that you want to buy. Just say you want to buy you know, a fragrance for, for your wife, for example. Just say it's a $50 item, um, and that will come with a ratio. Now, that ratio might be a 1 in 3 or a 1 in 4, for example. Um, in the case of it being 1 in 4, that means that you've got a 1 in 4 chance to purchase that item for a dollar. So you've got to commit to the price being $50, but every fourth fragrance or perfume in that example will be sold for a single dollar. It doesn't work for my new Mercedes, does it? Well, <laughs> you never know. You never know what might end up uh, being available to, on the, the ratio buying model. But um, initially we're targeting more consumer items, sure. kind of around that sort of few hundred dollar price point typically. But, you know, the model does certainly lend itself to look at um, bigger ticket items as well. I think it's a great idea. So how, how does what you do, why is that so different than other e-commerce? Because we kind of looked at that problem of discounting and it's really um, creating an unsustainable sales environment really because it's created this consumer discount culture where everyone expects a heavy discount every time that they're shopping. And I think online there's been group buying and daily deals and price comparison sites. It's all about driving the price down. Yeah. So what we've done is we've looked at that and said that's unsustainable because you can't keep discounting deeper and deeper because um, customers expect cheaper prices and, you know, unfortunately that's unsustainable for the retailers. And this put re- puts retailers in a difficult position because they either maintain their price point or they discount and devalue their brand. So they're kind of saying, hey, do we discount or do we not discount? 
So we've taken the reverse approach of saying, let's not discount, let's still sell at the normal price, but let's look at a more exciting and compelling way to offer you know, an incentive to those consumers. Yeah, I saw a report just recently by uh, Citibank that said that once companies start discounting, chances are extremely high, 80% plus, that they will go out of business. Um, and uh, so it's a it's a very slippery slope, particularly with with the um, the group buying things. That's a I think that's a really slippery slope that's got a very short life. Um, Absolutely, there have been questions around that that group buying model, and look, it's been very successful for the guys operating, and I think Absolutely. That's, that's great. But I think for the businesses involved, so the key issue is that normally it's a, it's treated as a loss leader, so they'll do up to ninety percent discounts on a product or a service, mm-hmm. with a view to attracting new customers and then you know making some money off the repeat sales. But the reality is that the type of consumer going for a ninety percent discount. They're going to buy from one supplier and then they're going to switch to another supplier um, offering a similar service at a 90% discount, you know, the next time they need that service. So it is quite difficult there. And, um, yeah, it certainly is quite more widespread that um, view that discounting is unsustainable. KPMG put out a report recently. It was a retail think tank um, saying very similar things, that um, once you start discounting and discounting heavily and constantly, it's very difficult to claw your way back out of it. Yeah, I, um, I have some real, we won't go into them now, but I've got some real horror, horror stories about people that have got involved in, um, in the group buying, and it's pretty ugly. Absolutely. So how did you come up with the concept? Um, it's actually my business partner, Sebastian. He was working in the online sales space, um, yep. and he saw that discount culture, and he just saw the long-term effects of, even the you know short to medium term effects of discounting what that does to, to brands. Mm-hmm. Um, he also noticed something else that was quite interesting. He was working in online sales specifically around um, pay-per-click advertising and he saw that it wasn't always the cheapest price that won. Um, so there was actually room there for whether it's better customer service or a better brand or a better experience. Whatever it was, it wasn't always the cheapest price. So he then started Absolutely. to think, how do we maintain that value, you know, how do we sell on more than just the discount and that got him thinking about different ways that you can use the margin effectively because if you think about even an advertising campaign or research and development or customer support, that's just a creative way of using available margins to, you know, make the deal more attractive to the customer. Absolutely. So that then got him thinking, hey, how can we use the margins to create that incentive and that's where the ratio buying concept was born. Interestingly, in research shows that in the United States, only 13% of people buy based on price yeah. if the value proposition is stronger. Um, even if the products seem to be identical, if the value proposition is stronger, only seven, uh, 13% of people buy based on price. That means that there's 80, 87% of people out there that don't buy based on price, and of course that's where your profit is. That makes it makes sense. So who's exactly. likely to use Winbox.com and and the ratio buying concept? Um, we initially thought it'd be predominantly male skew, um, just because of the element of chance. We thought you know there was kind of that, that sporting element of, of, of the guys would be preferring, but. Um, sure. We actually found that 60% um, of our customers are actually uh, women, mm. and uh, it's in that 18 to 39-year-old age bracket. 
Um, normally a slightly higher disposable income because um, it's not the discount culture that we're going for, so it's not the bargain-based price, prices that we're offering. Yeah. Um, so normally a slight, like medium to, to slightly higher um, average income. And people who are just looking for something a little bit more exciting, less conservative in the sense that you know there is an element of chance involved, so um, that they did have to consider um, um, you know the likelihood of getting the, the dollar items. But um, it's been a pretty widespread. To be honest, it's more based on the products being sold. So you know, in the case of electronics, it's more kind of male skewed. But in the sure. case of you know, exempt mentioned fragrances before, obviously that's more of a female product. So um, it's been a widespread, and everyone seems to really like the idea. Yeah, I think it's great. Of course, your um, the demographic that's buying probably represents the people that are buying most online, educated, affluent, up to thirty nine. You know, fits the profile. So it's um, it probably it probably works right across the board. Sure. Um, so what are you doing in Silicon Valley? We're out here um, talking to a few of the investors out here to to do a capital raising round. So. Um, we're from Australia originally, so we've raised some funds over there, but now we've come out to Silicon Valley to um, get some interest from the local investment community and talk to some retailers. So um, the next stage for us is you know, licensing the technology to other retailers that are out there and get them offering you know, ratio buying deals to their customers. Um, so it's sort of twofold uh, objective for being out here. But the feedback's been phenomenal. Everyone really likes the idea and um, keen to be involved, which has been really, really promising. Great. I'll, tomorrow, I should tell you this off air, but tomorrow I'll send you um, a couple of contacts I've got that are very strong up there that, um, that may be able to um, maybe able to help you. So what's the next step for um, Winbox? I want to close out this investment round, um, hire a couple of key uh, people into the team here in the US to, to really kickstart the launch. So as I mentioned, we, we will sort of, the concept was born and raised in Australia, and we've rolled out the website there. But next for us is to launch this and take this to market into the US. So that's licensing it to you know a number of the top uh, e-commerce sites in the US, um, and then becoming synonymous with ratio buying. We want people to think Winbox is the the ratio buying provider. Uh, we've also got a patent in place to protect the concept there as well. Um, then what we want to do is um, launch into China and to the UK and European markets as well. So we want to go as quickly as we can to, to launch it throughout the world. Sure, sure, that makes sense. Um, what? Um, how, so you'll be you'll be working with the big retailers that are online. That's yeah. So on a licensing deal. Okay, yeah, that's, right. that's great. So how long are you in the states for? Uh, two weeks on this particular round, but um, we've got a lot of interest, and everyone's keen to see us back here as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, so we'll be, you know, back home to Australia. We'll close out this round, and then um, we'll be back over here as soon as we can to kickstart the launch over here. Well, I came, I came over um, for two years, twenty-five years ago, and yeah, right. <laughs> didn't and make it back. No, I didn't make it back. I, I, I get back to Australia from time to time, but. Um, I, I love the states and I love the can-do attitude. I think, um, you know, in Australia, it's it's, it's very difficult because, um, you know, there's not that can-do attitude. But over here, people people want to encourage success. They want to get behind you. They want to share ideas. And uh, I found that um, it's so much easier to do business in the in the states than it is um, pretty much anywhere else in the world. 
Yeah, Bob, it's been such a positive experience for us to be out here for the last couple of weeks that um, everyone's really embraced us and the concept and uh, been very supportive. A lot of angel investors we've been talking to have obviously had some successful uh, startups and exits themselves and they're just all too willing to help us out and put us in touch with the right people and, you know, it's just fostering that kind of startup culture is worlds beyond what we experienced back home in Australia. So it's been an eye-opening experience and we're definitely keen to um, get ourselves set up and and established here as soon as we can. Thanks, Damien. It was great to speak with you. Now, if you're listening and you'd like more information on Winbox, go to www.winbox, W-Y-N-B-O-X, that's W-Y-N-B-O-X.com, or just get in touch with me, Bob at BobPritchard.com, and I'll pass your inquiry on. If you've got some money to invest, I'm sure the guys would love to speak to you. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show after this short break. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Business Show. Coming to you this week from my hometown of Los Angeles. We really, really appreciate you sending us your emails. They're, they're very interesting. They, um, they're a great education for me as well as I hope when I answer them for you. Um, we have a lot of listeners in the United States, probably the bulk of our listeners, but we do have listeners, um, as evidenced by emails from all over the planet. So every week I, I try to answer, uh, emails that are representative. The reason this is, this segment so popular is that, um, irrespective of what business you're in, whether you're big or small or you're a plumber or you've got a, an IT business, we all face the same problems and the same issues. One of the things that's interesting is that of all the emails we get from all over the world, um, everybody has the same problems, no matter what country they're in or whether they're in a big business or a small business, I get asked the same questions over and over and over again. So um, even if the industry might not necessarily apply directly to you, I'm sure that the answer 
may well. The first email this week comes from John Alexander of Bakersfield, California, who writes, Dear Bob, when you establish a new business, how do you determine what you can charge for your products and which part of your target market do you focus on? I bought your book a month ago. And the book and the show have been a great help in encouraging me and helping me set up this business. John, thanks for your email. I really appreciate that. Praise never goes astray with me. Um, pricing and identifying your primary niche market are, are critical to a new business. But, you know, they're not as important as determining what it is that's going to set your business apart from your competitors. You have to make sure that you're not another me too business. You've got to give the, your customers that, you know, that wow factor that will turn them from prospects to regular customers and then to raving advocates so they tell everybody about you. You really need to think about your consumer purchasing benefit, your added value strategy, your risk reversal strategy, because all of those things are going to influence your price. The better your differentiation, the higher your prices. The higher your prices, the greater the margin. The greater the margin, the better your return on investment and the more competitive you become. Now, with regard to prices, obviously you need to look at you know, what your competitors are charging. Speak to your major customers, not just about price, but about your whole value proposition. You could also talk about different bundles that you can offer so that you give a, a, a holistic uh, solution to your customers and not just an individual part. Don't forget that the aim is to get a bigger share of customer and higher margins, not market share. With regard to your target market, start with your absolute prime targets and really focus on them. If you aim too broadly, you'll dilute your effort. As you tie them up, with more and more products, you can begin to fringe your offer to a wider target market. Ideally, you want to become the dominant player in that target market. That's much more important than being right across the board. John, since you've already got a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition, and don't forget, if you're listening to this program and you don't have a copy of the book, it's 15 steps to being successful. If you take these 15 steps that are outlined in the book, I will guarantee you that no matter what business you are in, and no matter how lousy you are at running it, if you follow those 15 steps, you will be more successful. Uh, but since you've got Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, a copy of my book, Marketing Magic, that also features... Brian Tracy, John J. Conrad Levinson, and a number of others. It's on its way to you. It'll be going out today. We here at the Bob Pritchard Radio Show are all about helping small business to be more successful and more profitable. So keep sending us your emails and we'll answer them. If I don't answer them on air, I will respond to you definitely off air. Send in your questions. Email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. And follow me on Twitter and Google+. Just a reminder, if you if you missed my May newsletter, my June newsletter is about to come out. Go to www.bobpritchard.com and register. Next week, I thought I'd talk about the speaking business. It's been very good to me. And uh, I've done over 1,500 speeches in 53 countries. And I'll talk to you about how you go about doing that. So I'll see you at the same time next week. 
been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.